0: Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And now another one of the most famous verses. For He, God, hath made Him, that Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, Jesus, knowing no sin personally, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now there are some wonderful pieces of theology and practice in those few short verses. We see of a new life in Christ. Everything becomes new. We see something about the substitutionary atonement made in Jesus Christ, that great exchange that God made Jesus to be the sin-bearer for us, that we might have a trade. We might we give our sin. he We receive from Him His righteousness, the righteousness of God in Him. We see the heart of Paul here to say, we are pleading with you to be reconciled with God. This is God's heart toward mankind. That mankind is the enemy of God. They have made themselves the enemy of God by their sin. And now in Christ, God is reaching out His hand down into the world and saying, I'm willing to reconcile. I'm willing to be mediated with you by Jesus Christ. Please be reconciled. I've done everything that needs to be done All that needs to be done is for you to accept this word of reconciliation. But I want to notice the picture that Paul uses here. What he says about us as Christians. This is the mentality that we need to come into as Christians if we're going to be effective soul winners. Notice in verse 20. Now then, we are, what's that next word? Ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what it is to be an ambassador for Christ? Do you know what it is to have the mentality daily that in this world, you, we, are ambassadors for Jesus Christ? The title of the message tonight simply Ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. And I want us to think about what an ambassador is, what an ambassador does, and what it means about the way that you and I live in the same way. Let's start first of all with the ambassador's mission, shall we? The ambassador's mission. Now I don't know if you know, just generally speaking, what an American ambassador is. Did you know that each president when they come in is tasked with filling nearly 200 ambassador positions? Nearly 200 ambassador positions. And actually um, you could just look this up online, um, but whatever research you do is fascinating. I didn't know this. I read an interview with one of um, President Obama's ambassadors. He was the ambassador to Spain and to Andorra. And he described the selection process. Sometimes these are just cushy jobs that go to big donors of the president. I mean, think of like the ambassador to the Maldives or, or some tropical location, right? That's just a plum job. You just get to go probably sit on the beach. I don't know. But there are some, obviously, key allies. You think of, of England, Spain, you think of other Germany, France, or people that we have tension with. You think of Russia, you think of China, you think of areas where we have embassies. And in many of these cases, there's actually some significant thought about who needs to be placed in this ambassador role. This person who the interview was with was actually a, a career diplomat, as many of them are. They are trained in the diplomacy. They are trained in what the U.S. interests are. They are familiar with foreign policy. They are uh, 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 experts in this field. What was interesting to me was that there was about a year between his nomination and his his, um, confirmation by the Senate, because these ambassadors are confirmed by the Senate. And you think, why are they confirmed? It's because when this ambassador goes over to the other country they become, for all intents and purposes, the head of state as it relates to the United States. Those employees of the United States, defense officials, other people, other, other, other uh, employees, are residing in the embassy. They're, they are working out of the embassy. That is their office. And they report to the ambassador. The ambassador reports back to the president. For all intents and purposes, that ambassador is the president of the United States, is the official representative of the United States, carrying out the tasks of the United States in that country. It's a, it's a very important job, and you would only need to look through history at times where ambassadors have made faux pas or other slips that have been very embarrassing to the president or the leader that they were representing. So if we were just to take an ambassador, just even our idea of an ambassador, we don't even need to do that. Historically, you go back to time immemorial Uh, there have been political leaders, kings, kingdoms, that have sent ambassadors to other countries. Paul would have been very familiar with this. If we were just going to take out just the main characteristics, the main mission of an ambassador, you'd say there's a couple things. One, ambassadors are strangers. They are in a foreign land that they do not live in. It is not their citizenship. They are strangers. And of course, now you know why this picture works for us because Scripture tells us repeatedly, we are strangers and pilgrims. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, our, our conversation, the idea of that word in the Greek, is citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven from whence we wait for the Savior. So if you have this picture, we as Christians are here in this world, but we're not centrally Americans. We're strangers, even in the land of our birth. Now, the second thing is it's a stranger who represents a foreign sovereign. It is someone who is from a different land representing that land in a land that they don't call home. And of course, if you think again about Jesus as being the ultimate ambassador from God to man, leaving heaven where He was universally adored and praised, coming down to earth as God's messenger. And He has given you the same task. Do you remember in John chapter 20, Jesus says to His disciples after He's risen from the dead. He says, Peace be unto you, as My Father hath sent Me, ambassador, even so send I you. We, as He says, are ambassadors for Christ. Christ, ambassador for God, sent into the world. We, ambassadors for Christ, the King of the Kingdom. We as representatives of the kingdom of God are sent out into the world to be strangers in a land that is not ours, representing the king of kings and lord of lords. And what's the third characteristic of an ambassador? They are strangers who reside in a foreign land. They represent another sovereign. And the third thing is that they communicate the messages and intentions of that sovereign. Why are they there? They are there to send the sovereign's words To the foreign land. That is just ultimately what a sovereign or what an ambassador does. And that's what we do. That's fundamentally our mission here on earth to represent Jesus Christ on the earth, to communicate his message and his intention. And I want to pause here for just a moment. Tim Keller has said there are three ways that we can live as. Uh, as strangers in the world, and of course there are more than that, but just three pictures that he has used, and I think they're very helpful. One is a tourist. We can live like tourists here on this earth. Secondly, we can live like immigrants. And what he means by an immigrant is not uh, someone who is completely isolated, the immigrant who's trying to become naturalized, a naturalized citizen, who's trying to learn the language, who's trying to work their way up in business or have a career or calling. They are trying to assimilate into a land that is not theirs. And the third, he says, is an ambassador, a tourist, an immigrant seeking to assimilate, and an ambassador. Now, to make this stick with us a little bit, I want to pause here, and I want to have each of you discuss for just a few moments what those three pictures teach us. The Bible doesn't call us a tourist. They don't call us a stranger seeking to assimilate. It calls us an ambassador. What I want to do is just, in, in groups, what we're going to do is we'll just have these first rows here, the first four rows back to the Medfords. We'll have you in a group right here. We'll have that group back there around Kelvinton, the back meet. We'll have this group, Holmquist, on, up, meet. And then we'll have that group right there in the back with the Molitors and Kevin back. And I want you to do this. I want you to discuss, just take, we'll take five or ten minutes, the differences between a tourist, uh, a, uh, a, an immigrant, and an ambassador. And why do you think God calls you to be an ambassador? What is different about an ambassador than about these other roles? And how might these things influence the way we think about our life here on Earth? So let's just break up really quickly. We'll discuss for about five or ten minutes. We'll get some feedback. And then we'll finish up with some uh, additional thoughts on this that I hope will be helpful. All right. Tourist. Immigrant. Ambassador, let me, start, uh, let me start with this group here. Uh, any thoughts on um, the difference? And you don't have to get into all of them. Maybe just one thing that stood out to you or two things that stood out to you and the difference between a tourist, a, uh, an immigrant, and an ambassador and why God might call us to be an ambassador. Any thoughts for that first group there? Yeah, good. They have a knowledge of not only what they are representing, but they also have to have a knowledge of where they're going. And that's a really important thing. We'll get to that in just a minute. All right, group in the back there. Yeah. One of the most significant things about an ambassador, if you look across world history, it has been known since, well, thousands of years before Christ, you did not mess with someone else's ambassador. Even in times of war, ambassadors received terms of peace. They were treated with respect and honor because if you touched an ambassador. Who are you Were touching? you were picking a fight with the other country. And that's what the remarkable thing for Paul to use this because Jesus' as ambassadors on this earth have been treated just like he was. And Jesus told us that. And so there is very much a, a poignant connection there that when Christians are mistreated, they are really, as Jesus said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? He was persecuting Christians, but by persecuting the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, they are persecuting him. Good. All right. I want to just have some thoughts on this and let's talk secondly about the ambassador's mandate, the ambassador's mandate. I want us to think about these three groups of people again. I want to start with the immigrant, the assimilating immigrant. The assimilating immigrant is a stranger. They are coming to a new place. They are not fully aware of all the aspects, the sensitivities of the culture, but they are committed to learn them. Why? Because of their own comfort, because of their own profit, because of the own stability of their family, because of their own interests. In other words, the the immigrant is seeking to assimilate into a country, into a new culture, into a new land, but it is for their own interests. And the point that we have made is that the Christian is an ambassador for Christ, so he has no interests of his own. An ambassador who is in another land and has an interest other than the president that he serves is a traitor. He is a detriment. So if I am in a culture, if I'm in the United States of America and I am acting like an immigrant to assimilate in, what am I? I'm a worldling. Why does James chapter 4 say, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's he talking about? He's talking about loyalty. He's talking about the one who says, I love the world system that is opposed to my king. And when I do that, when I assimilate, I am abandoning my role as an ambassador, by trying to get into the culture that is opposed to the king I represent. So that is why we cannot be assimilators. We are not immigrants in that sense. But contrast that with the tourist. The tourist is also a stranger. The tourist also is becoming accustomed to what is around him. But think about the stereotypical tourist. The one who walks around blithely unconcerned with the culture around him. Think of the tourists who walk in, right, with the big camera, they have this, they're chattering away in a foreign language. They don't really care about the customs because all they're there is to look and have a good time and then depart back home. Now you say, why is this important? Because a tourist and an immigrant are equally self-interested. An immigrant says, I want to put down roots here for my own interest, for my own benefit. A tourist says, I don't want to put down roots. I don't care about being involved here. I don't care about investing in the lives of people here because I've got a flight home. In 72 hours, I just want to connect. Now, do you know that each of these polls are dangers that will hinder your and my evangelism? and they are at the fundamental core of what we have to balance in our lives as Christians. On the one hand, recognizing that if we love the world, we are being disloyal to our king, and our assimilation into the world is doing harm to our ability to represent the interests of God. On the other hand, if we take the approach of a tourist, and say, I'm only living here for a short period of time, I don't need to invest in the world around me, I don't need to get to know their customs, I don't need, in a sense, to speak their language, then we say, then what are we? We are simply tourists who are abandoning the ultimate interest of our king, because what is the interest of our king? The interest of our king, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Now friends, if we could balance these two things, we would be able to cut through so much of the issues we run into today with engaging with culture, with the worldliness that so often comes from it. I'm struck by Acts chapter 17 when Paul goes to Athens. Do you know Paul went sightseeing in Athens? Wouldn't you have? I would have. I've been to Athens. We went and did some sightseeing. Paul goes around and looks at all these wonderful buildings. And this is the why. Scripture says that when he was going around there looking at all their culture, his spirit his was boiling within him. He, it was stirred within him. And then when he got up to speak, he said, when I went and I beheld your devotions, not only that, he said to them, he said, as one of your own poets has said, Paul was a guy who that when he went someplace, he wanted to know who they were. And he was even familiar with some of the things their own poets had said. He quotes the poet of Crete when he's talking to Titus in Titus chapter 1. So there's a level of engagement, and we might even say assimilation, of investment in the place where we are as strangers that is right and appropriate for Christians and is necessary if you want to be an effective soul winner and yet it is always under loyalty to your king above all always out of love for your king out of out of uh, 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 above all things we are not tourists because we have the heart of our king to go into the world jesus said you are the salt of the earth you can't have salt have a purpose if it's separate from the meat if it's separate from the food it has to be in it has to be there it has to be in contact with the, uh, with the corruption that it's seeking to hinder. But on the other hand, while we seek to assimilate, while we seek to invest, while we seek to reach out into our world, we all always are remembering that we are an ambassador for the king, always with his interests in mind, always with ultimate loyalty to him, complete and independent loyalty from what we are doing in the world. You see, the ambassador is balancing on one hand, he is entirely loyal to his king. but on the other hand, he knows the heart of his king is to reach out in to the place where he is called to be. And friends, that's ultimately your calling. Do you know what that also means? It means that a king that an ambassador not only has no independent interests, he has no independent enemies. Now, why do I say this? It's because, Today we need to recognize that we are being encouraged to have a kind of enemy mindset. I see this most often frankly in our political world. There is a theory of politics that has taken over both right and left and says you are on a battlefield and we need people who fight. There are these foes that are uh, that are assigned against you and you need to fight them and win. I just want to caution you, I just want to caution you, because a battlefield requires enemies. A mission field involves lost souls, and when your lost souls of your mission field become the enemy of your battlefield, you are in grave danger in your ability to be a soul winner. And I just want to encourage you in this world, praise God for those who are involved in politics, who are seeking to, 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 to advance the kingdom of God wherever they are called. But I just want to plead with you, do not come into a mindset in which the souls that Jesus came for you to redeem, for you to plead with them to be reconciled for God, become your enemies off in the distance that you are not willing to invest in personally and sacrificially and lovingly for the cause of Christ. May we see that his love, his interest, his calling to reconcile the world to himself is ours as well. So first of all, the ambassador's mission, it is to be representative, even in a foreign land, of the interest and heart and love of that sovereign and to communicate his messages to the culture where he is. The ambassador's mandate is to have no independent interest, no independent loyalty, no independent enemy, purely to be a mouthpiece for his sovereign. And then finally, I just want to point out one more thing from 2 Corinthians 5, is the ambassador's mode, his mode of operation. Will you notice with me here? Let's start in verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did... What's that next word? Beseech. That word is a word that is actually reflected, is is connected in the original Greek to the word by which Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter parakaleo, or the paraclete as we refer to the Holy Spirit. The idea here is of someone coming alongside. And I want you to picture God beseeching human beings, the ones He made, the ones who have stood against Him in enmity, who have rebelled against them. And God comes alongside them as if to put His arm around them and beseech people to be saved. That is the heart of the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. And Paul uses this language. God is beseeching you. He's pleading with you by us. Notice what he says. As though God did beseech you by us. We are representatives of Him. Now notice what he says. We pray you in Christ's stead. That word pray there literally has the idea of begging. We beg you. In Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, if we know the heart of our sovereign, who we are ambassadors for, do we recognize that he beseeches sinners and begs them? He pleads with them? And you say, why is that important? It's important because everything that we have been pointing this entire uh, training session on evangelism is this. To beg somebody is, first of all, to have an awareness of their need. And if I'm going to be an ambassador for Christ in this world, it's going to be day by day. I look at the people that I come into contact with as having a great soul need. A need for Jesus Christ without which they will be eternally lost, unless I cultivate that mindset in me that every single person I talk with has a soul that will be in heaven or in hell one day, that the King of kings has done everything on His end, if you will, to reconcile them to God, has made Jesus to be sin for them so that they might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Do I have that awareness with each person I come into contact with? I must be aware of their need, but not only that, We must. I must identify with that need. If I'm going to beg someone, if I'm going to plead with someone, I'm going to see their need, I'm going to feel their need, I'm going to identify with it, and then not only that, I will seek to persuade them of their need. I will seek to creatively convince them of their need and of the answer. I will plead with them. I will beg them. I will beseech them. And haven't we seen through all these examples, not only in scripture, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, Jesus with the woman at the well, Jesus with, um, with, with others that he came into contact with, the pastor who wrote that letter to Rosaria Butterfield after she had read that, written that harsh letter to the editor. We think of the classmate of our Muslim friend who came to Jesus Christ. In each of these situations, it were, it was a Christian who had a mentality that they were an ambassador for Jesus Christ in the world, that each person, this particular person, had a great need, that they felt that need deeply to sacrifice, to invest in that person's life, and ultimately to creatively and persistently and consistently invest in that person seeking to persuade them of the need that they had. This. Is the heart of Paul when it came to being an ambassador for Christ and this is the heart of God that reaches out and speaks to all of us who are ambassadors for Christ right now. My question for you tonight is based on everything that we've seen, based on all the training that we have received, do you identify as an ambassador of Jesus Christ not just when you're wearing a suit and, or shirt and tie on behalf of Straight Gate Church But in every single day of your life, are you waking up and saying, God, help me to be an ambassador this morning for you. Help me to represent you truly and consistently and rightly in this world. Help me to maintain a loyalty to you above all else. Help me not to love the world today and the things that are in the world. Help me not to assimilate into the world in a wrong way, but help me to invest in the world in a loving way and a consistent way and a creative way. And ultimately to look at those around us as those that, like God, we are beseeching, we are begging on Christ's behalf for them to be reconciled with God. I just hope and I just pray that this series has been an encouragement to you to live out evangelism 24-7, 365, and I hope that the mentality that you will go forward with is of being an ambassador for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are beseeching people by us. You are pleading with people. And I pray, Father, that we would just come into this mentality in a fresh way tonight. Father, we don't want to assimilate in a worldly way, and yet we must invest in a godly way because you are reconciling the world to yourself. Thank you for what you have done in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege it is, the honor it is, of being an ambassador for Christ. And Father, may your people be challenged in this direction. Let's just pause for a moment now. Just allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us and encourage us. Be reconciled to God. Father, thank you for the work that's been done. May each of us experience again afresh that reconciliation that you have made. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.